Welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. It's great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie, who's the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, and we're just happy to have you with us. And we've come to the end of a series uh, that we've entitled, I Could Never Believe in a God Who, and we've been uh, finishing that sentence with various topics that, uh, you know, Pastor Nick got from his blog and just from various sources. And uh, if you haven't seen any of those, whitefieldschurch.com, you can go uh, download any of those. Very, very helpful. We've had a great uh, response, great feedback, um, really ministered to people and answering a lot of their questions. But this week, we're talking about, I can never believe in a God who doesn't answer prayers or doesn't answer my prayers. And, uh, you know, this is a very personal question for a lot of people, you know, prayer and praying to God, it's something, you know, you're praying for a loved one you're praying for something it's 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 a deep needed seat you know thing that you're need that you're asking God to meet and you know it's sometimes disheartening when when we feel God's not listening or he doesn't answer or he says no and so we just wanted to explore some of that topic and and uh, we we did that on Sunday morning and one of the things you talked about is that Paul refers to in that in the passage you were teaching from that that he refers to this thorn in the side or as you as you said the uh, the original language talks about a tent spike in the in the side he, he calls it a messenger of satan but then towards the end of the passage he refers to it as a gift from god and and you know just want to see if you want to elaborate on that a little bit more yeah so the passage is for uh, so second corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 10 and uh yeah paul's talking about some affliction he had uh and he describes it as a messenger from satan that buffeted him which literally means to punch with fists it means to beat you up and um and yet he says he makes it clear that this was given to him uh from god and he even refers to it as a gift that had positive effects on his life. And what that does, it gives us a glimpse into God's sovereignty. Because this isn't the only time in the Bible that we see this kind of dichotomy where something is clearly happening because Satan is causing it to happen, and it, it's hurtful and painful, and yet it's God who has given Satan the ability to do that thing. And what that means is that is God is is Satan active in the world? Yes, but is God sovereign? Absolutely. And what that means is that you could say that Satan, in a way, is kind of like a dog on a chain, and he can only go and do the things within the realm of, uh, a, you know, space that God gives him the ability to do that. And that that should actually be very comforting for us, because we can know that everything that comes into our lives has to pass through the loving hands of God, who ultimately has our best interest in mind. And we talked about six ways, for example, on Sunday that God uses suffering for good in the world and in our lives. And it is interesting that Paul gets to this place in his life where he clearly didn't like this thing. He didn't want this thing. But he gets to the place in his life where he says, you know what? Um, I prayed about this three times that God would take it away from me. But now I understand this is a gift that he gave me uh, for a purpose in my life. And it has had its effect. One of the things I think about in this um, this discussion is in Colossians, Paul talks about how Jesus has been victorious over Satan. And, you know, you might look at the world and say, well, it kind of doesn't feel like Jesus has been victorious over Satan because Satan is still active. There's still evil in the world. People do bad things and, and we experience those things. Well, how does that work? Well, Think about it like this. What he says in Colossians there is that Jesus has been victorious over Satan, and he uses this word picture where he describes uh, what was essentially like what the Romans, or let's say before the Romans, like 
Alexander the Great, what they would do, or some big empire, let's say on the outskirts of your empire, another tribe attacked you, or your empire went and defeated another country or kingdom. What you would do in those days is that they, they would take the the other opposing army's soldiers captive and they would bring them back to their capital city and they would march them through the streets in order to humiliate them. They'd usually strip them naked and they would humiliate them. People would come out in the streets and jeer at them and throw things at them. And it was the, it was worse than defeat because it was not just defeat. It was humiliation. And this is really important to understand what Paul's saying there. He talks about it in another place, too, um, that Jesus has led us in a victorious procession. And again, this is using the language of this kind of Roman victory parade. And the idea is that um, Jesus has defeated Satan, but he's done more than just defeat him. Now he goes even further and he humiliates him. Well, how does, how does God humiliate Satan? And the answer to that is this, that he actually takes, he lets Satan do things and yet the things that Satan does and means for evil and destruction, God redeems those things and uses them to accomplish his purposes for good. And that is the ultimate frustration, the ultimate humiliation. You know, you can think like, like if you let me do something, but every time I did that thing, it, it accomplished the exact opposite of what I was trying to accomplish and actually accomplished what you were trying to accomplish through me, and rather, and rather than accomplishing what I want, I'm accomplishing what someone else wants to accomplish, which is the opposite. I would be frustrated. I would be humiliated. It would be worse than defeat. And so that's what we see is that we can know, and this gives us a lot of confidence, that the things that come into our lives, we can know that God is working all things together for good, and that even what Satan means for evil, God will use for good because he's a redeeming God, and he's a sovereign God, and he's a good God. And that gives us comfort. You know, it might not be uh, intense emotional um, satisfaction in the moment that yes, those bad things still hurt. It still feels like a tent spike being pounded into me. And yet we can know that in the big picture, God is using this to accomplish his purposes, which are for good. Yeah. And I think for Paul, of course, you know, he, God gave him this vision of heaven, you know, and which he said he couldn't even explain. He wasn't even trying to explain it. And in light of all that, you know, he, he could just take, he could take what was given to him on earth and consider it a gift in light of what he saw, what God had shown him, and what was the final prize, you know, to be, to be with Jesus. And we should pray that, you know, that's something that, that we can do every day, just keep that final prize, you know, that we will be with Jesus one day. And, but, you know, in the Bible, there's unsan, unsan, unanswered prayers as well, you know, and we see a few instances of that. Yeah, like, for example, in the book of Acts, there's a time when two apostles get arrested, James and Peter. And the disciples, the Christians, they gather and they pray for, for the release of these people. Peter gets released. James gets killed. There's another instance that we see uh, with David. Mm -hmm. David has a son with Bathsheba who is sick, and he prays for his son. And, uh, and his son is not healed. His son dies. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there are instances of that. And it, there are also some Bible verses that come to mind that are very helpful in this instance because on the one hand— um, you know, Jesus tells us whatever we ask in his name, he will give it to us. Whatever we pray for with faith, he will give it to us. And yet we see that Jesus himself had a prayer to which God's response was no. Jesus asked, Father, remove this cup from me. And God's answer was no. And Jesus submitted to the Father in that. And we're so thankful that he did because that unanswered prayer, I mean, it wasn't really unanswered, right? It was, a, it was answered with a no. But that, so to say, unanswered prayer 
is salvation for us. And we're so glad that Jesus submitted himself to the Father and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We also see like uh, Psalm 84 always comes to mind where uh, the psalmist says, no good thing will God withhold from those who are righteous. And what that means for us practically is that when God does withhold things from us, we can conclude that it must not have been good for me in his big plan, uh, or perhaps not good for me right now or yet. Uh, and we can that can give us solitude. And one of the things we said on Sunday is that you know, what does it mean that Jesus will give us everything we ask for in his name? Because clearly, even Jesus asked for something and was told no. Um, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means this. God will either give you what you ask or he will give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. And, uh, you know, I think of the proverb that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Perhaps that's one of the things that happens as we delight ourselves in the Lord is that the desires of our heart change and align themselves with God's plan and God's purposes for our life. Yeah, and but you, some people would kind of maybe push back and you know and say, well, in light of this discussion, what then? What is the purpose of prayer? Why? Why should we pray? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there are kind of two responses yeah. to this. Uh, two attitudes about prayer. One one attitude says we need to pray so that God can accomplish His work in the world. He accomplishes it through us praying and through us acting. Uh, on the other hand, you have people who say, no, prayer is mostly because God wants to work in us, like he wants to align our hearts. Well, then why ask for things? Maybe we should just talk to him. Clearly, he tells us to ask for things. He tells us that we see examples in the Bible, people who prayed and there were results that were as a, you know, came about because of that. Here's what I would say. I would say that God accomplishes his work in the world through our prayers and actions he doesn't need to. He could just bypass that. It'd probably be a lot easier for him if he didn't work with us at all. So why does he? Because here's what I believe it's both. That he wants to work in us as he does his work in the world. And that's why we pray. We pray because we are uh, asking God to work in different areas, and we should pray. We should pray all the more. To fail to pray is to fail to treat God as God, because prayer insinuates the fact that we are dependent on him for everything. Uh, so we should ask all the more, understanding that prayer is the way that God does his work in the world, and it's also the way that he does his work in us at the same time. Yeah, and I also think you could think of it as we're just communicating, too, with our Father, yeah. understanding, and he's communicating with us, and this relationship is being built between Father and Son, you know, and in that he's working in us, and in that he's working through us, you know, and it's just as we communicate father to son or father to daughter here on earth the same god is doing it on a, a much greater level with yeah. us you know and it's just ministry that way yeah like so the other day i was with my kids at home and my wife wasn't at home that day and so i needed to do a couple projects and so what i did is i got my kids and i said hey we're gonna do this together and i'm gonna show you how to do this and you're gonna help me and honestly i could have gotten the job done faster and cleaner right and more efficiently if I would have just said, you guys do something else, I'm just going to get this done. Um, and yet, I wanted to work with them. Why? Because in doing it together, um, relationship is built and they grow and I get to enjoy fellowship with them and, and they learn. And I think that there's a big part of that, that God is involving us in his work in order to shape us, um, not because it's uh, efficient for him, 
but because he loves us and wants to be with us. Yeah, as we delight in him, he's delighting in us. It's mm-hmm. great, great thing that that prayer is. And, and you know, our, our heart and desires that you don't, you know, don't give up. Let this be a stepping point into just, you know, pressing in deeper in, into your prayer life with the Lord and just getting to know God, getting to know his heart. And, you know, our desire, if there are things that you're praying for, you know, and that God would answer those prayers, but, you know, according to his will, and that if he doesn't, you don't get the thing you want, you know, uh, that maybe he'd give you, a, you know, a revelation like Paul did of kind of maybe a bigger picture, a window into what his purposes are, you know, and to lead you forward in that. And uh, well, it's a great time spending time with you this week. And if you haven't heard the sermon, whitefieldschurch.com, you can go there and download it. Uh, YouTube, you know, ring that bell, notification bell, and you'll get each new uh, a podcast we put up on YouTube. You'll get, get it. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. And, uh, you know, go out there, subscribe, and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless.